Hello, HR professionals. Good news. This episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. Stay tuned to access your certification code. As a leader, your people are your clients. You spend a lot of time not trying to lose a client. When a client's unhappy, you bend over backwards. But as a leader, your, your number one client are your employees. And so how many times have you taken a big client to dinner? Tons. How many times have you, you know, sent them a gift or shot an email or whatever all the time? Then why don't we do it to our employees? Welcome to The Great Retention, a show spotlighting leaders who've built award-winning cultures where people feel empowered, seen, and recognized. I'm John Duisberg, and on the show today, my co-founder, Prem Bhakti, and I sit down with the CEO of Mountain Seed, Carl Streck. If relationships are the backbone of Mountain Seed, then serving others is the heart behind their business. They've consistently been named the best appraisal management firm to work for because the people who work for Mountain Seed are not just another number. People are actually valued, and they care deeply about everyone's well-being. We'll unpack Carl's story of leading this incredible, fast-growing business and how they're living out their purpose every day, which they describe as providing opportunities that help people thrive using their God-given abilities. I hope you walk away from this conversation as inspired to lead with the same heart as Carl as I did. Enjoy. Carl, it's awesome to see you today. Uh, Prem and I are super excited to be here, man, um, here in the Mountain Seat office. So thank you for hosting us. Yep, uh, no really problem. appreciate it. Um, we are going to jump into all things related to culture, um, being a top workplace, leadership. So really appreciate you being a, an open book with us here. But why don't we start with just give us a, a quick flyover. Tell us what Mountain Seat is. You know, how many employees do you guys have yeah. now? Um, I know you're, you're based here in Atlanta, but I think you got folks remote as well. Um, and then maybe dive into you as a CEO founder, what does culture mean to you? What is that? What does culture mean to the people here at Mountain Sea? Yeah. Yeah. Totally good to have you guys. So, um, yeah, we're based here in Atlanta. Um, half our folks work here out of the Atlanta office, half our folks work remote and have always worked remote, which is, uh, interesting, yeah. uh, today. So we've got about 168 people I heard as of today. Um, we, we've grown really fast over the past few years. It's been a bootstrap company for, for the most part, uh, for about a decade. Um, and we love what we do. I feel like, um, I, I haven't really worked a day in my life in the past, at least in, in, you know, since we went through the early days of the grind, which I know, oh, we know uh, the grind. We all we all appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the gray hair. Yeah, right? so yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but you I, have hair. I, I do. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. So I uh, love what we do. We got an awesome team, um, and I mean, I just feel fortunate to be here, um, to be on the team. You know, I was just having a uh, we do a new new employee orientation meeting um, with me for thirty minutes the first week of. Um, first week of somebody on the job. And, um, you know, th as, as I was talking to, to this entry level uh, sales guy, it's like, we all play a role here. And he has a role um, that he signed up for. And I've got a role. And it's, and this maybe speaks to your culture question. Neither one is necessarily more important than the other. Right. Uh, we're all on the team. We all have a job to do. My job is different. Um, his job is different. I don't do his job and he doesn't do my job. Um, and so, 
you know, I think that maybe frames how we think about culture here, uh, which, you know, we started, I, I mean, probably pains me to say, I'm not sure that we thought about culture um, in the early days. Um, as I remember people talking about a business having a mission and being really confused by that concept. Like we had, you know, 15 people and I'm like, how does a business have a mission? Like, isn't it to deliver shareholder value or whatever they say in public companies? Um, and like a pe- person can have a mission, uh, but how does a business have a mission? Uh, I mean, clearly we've come a long way from that that you probably saw when you walked in uh, in big letters that our mission uh, at Mountain Seed is to provide opportunity and help people thrive in their God-given abilities. Um, but that didn't happen overnight. Like we started out with, um, and maybe this is a key point, we had a culture um, and you have a culture and every company out there has a culture. Uh, it might be a bad culture. Uh, it might be a great culture, but you got a culture. And, um, and it's became really important for us to, to look around maybe five years into the business, maybe three or four years into the business um, and say like, what were we put here to do? Um, you know, what is it about this place that we like? What is it about this place that we don't like? And those kind of driving concepts framed our mission. Um, like, what are we doing this for? Yeah. Um, it framed our core values. Like, I think a lot of companies, um, you know, they'll go to a retreat as a leadership team and they'll come up with core values that feel good. And they'll put like a eagle poster on the wall that says integrity or uh, courage or, you know, whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean anything. And so... You know, thanks to uh, some some really helpful facilitators, we said these these values and our culture is not aspirational. It's what are our values today, and so we identified a handful of people in the company that we said, um, if we had a hundred of you, we could take over the world. And what are those key things about Stephanie that makes her amazing here? Uh, and it was it was framing it that way that said, there, what are the things that make people that are so successful here who they are? Yeah. And now let's put a name to them. So that's really interesting. So, you know, you're making it about people, right? The values reflect the people, right? And they're that's who they are. They're living that out. That's the authentic, you know, about them themselves. So that's really interesting that that's how you approach values. Um and it's also interesting that it's not, it didn't start that way. It's something that you've, you've kind of moved into over time. But talk to me about, I think you, you mentioned earlier that you grew almost 100 people last year, you know, during this pandemic, right? How did that change culture? How did that change? Did that change culture? Did it change how you speak about values? I'm just curious over that growth, because a lot of people are, you know, they, they've had challenges yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, so I think the the bigger and bigger you get, and granted, I've never grown a big company. In fact, I've never had another job other than this. So, um, okay. you know, um, I mean, for all intents and purposes. So the bigger and bigger you get, the harder and harder it gets to uh, to have uh, a place where people feel valued. They have meaningful work and meaningful relationships, like Ray Dalio says in, in his book, Principles. Um, you just have to be way more thoughtful because in the early days, like the founders know everybody, right. 
and everyone's like on this uh, on this pirate ship fighting the you know <laughs> fighting for the you know uh, for every buck and you know right. we're all in it together and um, well when you're a hundred people two hundred people five hundred people like you don't know all the people on the ship with you necessarily yeah. you don't know them well um, and they don't know you and so the bigger you get you got to be super thoughtful. Um, we, we look to companies that we aspired to be like that were bigger than us. Um, you know, there's a company that has 500 people here in Atlanta that has a great culture, uh, maybe more than 500 people. And we met with a lot of their leaders and, you know, our CFO met with their CFO, our president met with their president. Um, and so what are you guys doing at a company much bigger than ours to maintain your culture? And, um, and so we started to like meet with other people to say, when, when we grow up to that size, yeah. what are the things we need to be doing today to lay the groundwork? Because once you're that size, yep. if you haven't laid the groundwork, it's too late. Yeah, right? mm, like, yeah. yeah, the, yeah that's that, a good point. Yeah. That, that ship is sailed. So, so how do we do it? Uh, we hired a bunch of people. Like, how did it change? Um, I think there's a great Patrick Lencioni book. I'm going to for, maybe forget the title, but I think it's the four obsessions of a CEO or you know, all his books were like the mm-hmm. four of yeah. this, and the five of this, and the three yeah. of this. Um, but it talks about communicate clarity over communicate clarity um, is like the the obsession you got to have. Yeah. So communicating the mission, communicating the vision, right. where are we headed? Right. How are we going to get there? Repeatedly, um, right? Repeatedly. Yeah. And and a coach of ours that um, that works with a lot of our leaders, um, he has this phrase. He says um, seven by seven. You got to you got to say something seven times in seven different ways. And if if you're a leader that says, well, I told them, fill in the blank, I told them we had a culture of this. Yeah. Like, I already told them that. It's like, well, did you tell it seven times in seven different ways? Because, you know, all, all of our employees are human beings yep. that learn different ways, whether it's written, verbal, visual. Um, they learn different ways. They pick up on different things. So I didn't hear that because the thing you said before, I was still thinking about. And so it's this clarity point. So, you know, we start out on the onboarding uh, with onboarding new employees. uh, Their first day, we go through the mission, almost the entire day, the mission, the vision, the values, um, the mountain seed story. Yeah. The mountain seed. Yeah. How we do things here. Yeah. Um, And we repeat it and talk about it every single day every single week. Um, but I also think there's a, it's a key piece I mentioned earlier that these things aren't aspirational, our values at least. Um, we have aspirations, don't get me wrong, uh, but our values and our mission, like this is, this is innate to who we are and how God made us. And it's a really important, it's really important for any leader to be authentic in whatever that is, because if you're not authentic, you're going to work really hard to be someone you're not. Yeah. And your people will smell it oh, yeah. from a mile yeah. away. And yeah. you will fail yeah. to, to, to create a culture that doesn't reflect who you are as a leader. Yeah. Like, it just won't work. Um, that's interesting. And you've, like, you've talked about, like, I chose to work at Mountain Seed. Um, <clears throat> I chose to work at Mountain Seed as opposed to we chose you. Can you tell us a little bit about that paradigm, I guess, that yeah, shift? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, uh, every another um, thing we do for n- new hires is like tell the story of Mountain Seed. 
um, which, um, you know, like the founding story. And, um, and as we get into that part of the orientation, everyone kind of goes around and says, you know, where they introduce themselves, where they were before, what they do here, you know, kind of some get to know you stuff. And, and I have seen this shift in, well, actually, I don't know if it was as much of a shift, but I've started hearing this common phrase of, I chose Mountain Seed because. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was really interesting because I feel like the, the paradigm shift was in times past. Maybe it was, maybe COVID was a part of it, maybe it wasn't. But in times past, a company chose an employee. And like, we had tons of resumes and we chose you and you should be thankful that we chose you. Right. And what I love today is that so many people are telling us at Mountain Seed, I chose Mountain Seed because of the values. I chose Mountain Seed because of the mission. I chose Mountain Seed because the mission was employee centric. Or I chose Mountain Seed because the mission said the word God in it. Like, can you even do that with HR? Like, uh, you know, um, but it was I chose Mountain Seed. And, and I think that's, that's a, a great thing that's happening in the business world today is that people are leaving jobs that don't value them, that they don't feel like they can uh, do meaningful work, have meaningful relationships, add value, feel valued. Um, so they're leaving those places in this great resignation, yep. but they're going to places that value them, yep. that they identify with, um, with the, the mission, with the direction of the business. They see growth. They see opportunity. Yep. Um, That's and, great. and they're shocked when they get here and they're like, you guys actually do this stuff. Like, <laughs> it's it. not just you on the website. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. And you talk about, you know, your core values, your mission. Um, how do you kind of align people in the interview process around that, right? Like, yeah. is that something you guys do for, you know, you folks like your new employees on? Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you're overt about them, uh, there's a piece that I think some folks naturally self-select out that don't even show up here because something turned them off, right? So um, something they didn't identify with, whatever, from an outsider perspective. So um, we might have some, some folks that end up in the candidate pool that something about our values or our mission or, you know, our business attracted them here. Um, and so we're overt about those, right? I mean, you, you can't, on our uh, job postings, on our website, on our LinkedIn, I mean, we start with the mission everywhere. Um, so we're overt about that maybe first. Um, and, and I can't, I have no idea if that makes an impact or, or not. Um, but then during the interview process um, and the screening process, like that, because we have folks that that live those core values and they're really meaningful, they're asking questions that relate to those. Um, and when you say ask, so the employees asking the interviewee questions. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So the hiring manager, the recruiters, they're asking questions that are searching for these things like our core values of. Um, you know, be a team player. They might ask, they might ask a question 
I mean, if you ask somebody in an interview, you're a team player and they say no, then, you know, uh, <laughs> that's probably a major red flag. Uh, but everyone says, yeah, I'm a team player. And, sure. you know, yeah, I, uh, I'm a self-starter. That's another one of our core values. Um, and so we have, we have questions designed around, uh, you know, thinking through, are they humble? Right. Um, are they, um, you know, be a patriot's one of ours. Like we're not looking for optimists or pessimists. Uh, everything's always good or it's always bad. It's like we're looking for people that are patriotic for the com- for the good of the company and their and their team members. Um, but we'll we'll design questions like when was uh, you know tell me about a time when you did something to help out somebody your former job and uh, that made you real proud. Mm-hmm. Right. So like something specific. Yeah. And like the the answers just become really telling of. Is this person out for themselves, or are they out for the other for their team? Right. And um, but you got to be creative about it, and you got to train around it around the hiring process. Yeah. Um, but it aligns you around your values, then. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And, and you have to be committed as a leader to continue an arduous search. If you find somebody that doesn't align with it, like like uh, um, I know we had talked about just getting ready for this that I was we were hiring for a senior role. And I had a candidate that was referred to me. So like referrals are great. Candidate referred to me from somebody I know. Uh, the background was just like perfect, perfect domain expertise, yeah. perfect resume, all the stuff. And I'm like, this, this person is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do I convince this guy to come work here? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I get on the phone and, you know, uh, had a little bit of feeling of something that, you know, Maybe no big deal, uh, but I noticed on LinkedIn I was connected to, to another place, uh, some other folks that he knew, and so I called somebody that was a, a former coworker. And I was like, "Hey, tell me about this person." He said, "Man, he can execute like nobody's business, and super smart, and you know all this stuff. And if you're looking to roll this out, and like you know he's your guy." And I said, "Hey, is he like is he kind of a jerk?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's kind of a jerk. And I said, well, you know, one of our core values is be humble. Yeah. And I've got one of two options in that situation. I cannot hire the guy because he violates one of our core principles of what makes us who we are. Or I can change the values. I only have two options. <laughs> right. right. Like I'm right. running the business. I, I guess I <laughs> yeah. can change the values. Yeah. But if those are our values, then... You either change them if you're not going to live by them, or you stick to them. Yeah. And and sometimes that's real painful. Uh, you know, hiring, firing, promoting. Uh, we do our our performance reviews have a, a whole core value section. That's great. You know, where we talk about it. So yeah. it's just part of the part of the DNA. That's awesome. Here. Yeah, that's really awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, so Carl, one thing I wanted to to jump back to you mentioned the Great Resignation. Yeah. And that's something that we're hearing from leaders across the board, across industries um, that, you know, they're feeling the impact of losing good people. Right. And kind of thinking about how do they retain good people. Right. And so I'm just curious, you know, what impact has the great resignation had on on Mountain Seed? You know, what's your experience been over this last you know, year, year and a half, two years or so? Any any feedback on that? Yeah. So, um you know, I think that there's there's a couple of things. Um, so our head of recruiting uh, calls it the great hire. Um, so you know, she's 
She's yeah, getting people cool. that are saying, I'm, I'm resigning from a job that didn't treat me right and I'm going to a job. So like, you know, the net effect of the workforce there is, you know, uh, it, it's not like people are leaving and never coming back. Um, but on the retention side, like I think as a leader, you have to resign yourself to the fact that if I'm not treating my people right, investing in them as individuals, providing them the opportunity uh, to, to grow, to, um, to have career progression, to uh, make more money, to whatever it is. Like if I'm, and it's different for everyone. Um, but if I'm not investing in my people in a way that they're able to accomplish their personal, financial, and professional goals, they, they're going to leave. Right. Yep. Like they're just going to leave. Right. And, uh, and they should. And Mountain Seed employees should leave too. Uh, if, if we're not investing in them in a way that accomplishes their personal, professional, and financial goals, they should leave. In fact, we had a guy resign uh, you know, a few months ago. And um, he went to a place that aligns with the, the and this is not a bad thing. Like, the, like our mission is to provide opportunity and help people thrive in their God-given abilities. And so when he left, I called him and I said, I'm so excited for you because where you want to go in your career, we can't do that. Like, it's just not like, right. it's no harm on us. It's no harm on him. Like, that's just not kind of where we're headed. And because we're not willing to invest in the direction that accomplishes your goals, I should, like, I should have, A, I should have known that. So I think lesson learned as a leader, I should have known, um, or his manager should have known or whatever. Um, but we should have known that we weren't providing the opportunity for him that accomplishes his goals. Right. Um, so that's maybe lesson learned number one. So we should know our people's goals and what they want to do in, at least in their work life, at a minimum in their work life. Um, like, what are you doing this for? Sure. Um, yeah. And, and be willing to invest in that or be willing to help them find a place that will. Um, and so we should have known that this person was not getting what they needed here. And if we would have known, we should have helped him find a home given him a job here while he found a home that could give him the opportunity that we weren't able to give him. Yeah. Like we should do that as leaders. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's a key. If you want to retain your people, you need to know them. You need to have a relationship with them. You need to understand where, what the heck they're doing this for. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, but if you treat it like a transactional relationship, like you give me hours and I give you dollars. Mm hmm. Right then it'll be a transactional relationship, Yeah. right? They will leave for another transaction. Um, but if you treat it like a real relationship where I know you and I understand what you're doing this for, and yes, there is an exchange of, of kind of uh, dollars for goods or services, but I'm going to help you accomplish something else that's well beyond the transaction. Yeah. Um, but you got to know your people, and it takes a heck of a lot of time and discipline because there's a million other fires you're putting out in your business yeah. every day. And this fire burns real slow, but it's burning. Yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting. And, and cause I was, where I was going in my mind is, well, what advice can you give to someone else who's dealing with the great resignation and these things? And so you kind of mentioned it, it's, you know, knowing your people, but 
what are some of the ways that you've been able to get to know people at Mountain Seed, for example, that maybe would be advice for other leaders who, who want to, you know, follow that, that lead? Yeah, I mean, uh, remote work definitely uh, complicates things, right? I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're believers in, uh, like, trusting relationships are, um, are our competitive advantage. So trust is kind of the, the foundation um, of all that. And, and it is tr- it's tough to build trust remotely. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a whole lot easier to get to know somebody when you can bump into them. Um, you know, I mean, just it's just really organic conversations, organic conversation. That, yeah. Or I mean, you think about a, you know, you get on a Zoom call, and they're stacked back to back to back to back. Right. And yeah, you know about that. Yeah. You, yeah you, you log in at 3 p.m. You log off at 4 p.m. and you get on another one. Yeah. But then you go into a meeting in an office and you walk in at 3 p.m. And you might walk out of the office with somebody. Right. And you might bump into them walking in your car. Yep. And so like, so it, it 100% is complicated. And I look forward to the day when people get back to some amount of togetherness. Right. Um, at Mountain Seed, we've decided that, um, that there'll be opportunities to be remote, hybrid, you know, together sometime. We believe if you're in Atlanta, it's important to be together in some frequency, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be you know, 40 hours a week. Um, but, but to build a relationship like that, um, it takes from a management and leadership standpoint, uh, it takes, you know, first it takes effort to like, like the think of your, maybe that's a good way to frame it. As a leader, your, your people are your clients, right? So you spend a lot of time not trying to lose a client. Sure. When a client's yeah. unhappy, you bend over backwards. It's a great point. Um, <laughs> yeah. But as a yeah. leader, yeah. your your number one client are your employees. And so how many times have you taken a big client to dinner? Tons. How many times have you, you know, sent them a gift or, you know, shot an email or whatever? All the time. Then why don't we do it to our employees? Like, why don't we do yeah. it for our people? Like, yeah. they're the ones whom without we have nothing. Like, I don't care how sophisticated technology company you are. Like there are people behind all this yep, um, right. and it takes effort. It takes thought. Um, it, it, uh, and remote, it takes orders of magnitude, more yeah. effort yeah, and more thought. Yeah. Um, so There's a lot of nonverbal communication that we didn't realize we were missing for about two years. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, right. Yeah. So. And, and all of those impromptu things, you got to figure out another way. That's right. Um, like, because people during COVID did not stop wanting relationships. Like, they stopped being able to have them in the same way. Right. Yep. But as leaders, we got to figure out another way to to talk to our folks more regularly uh, in different ways, meet them on their terms. Um, you know, it's, it's just it exacerbates that seven times seven, seven times in seven different ways. I mean, it's yeah, 700 times that's 700. Right. Yeah. 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 Infinitely harder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the the idea as a leader, I'm going to make sure that our, our customers are taken care of. And that same mentality, that same level of focus on our employees. Yeah. I think that's really good. Is there any, I mean, this has been great, Carl. Um, really appreciate you just opening it up, you know, kind of being transparent with us. Um, I think that your, your, your values are, are coming through just even in this conversation. So it means a lot. So thank you. Any, any other kind of final thoughts or, um, 
any 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 lessons that you want to share that for other leaders out there? No, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, the biggest thing is, whoever you are, like, accept the fact that that's who you are. And when you're authentic about it, then it comes through. If you're trying to, to manufacture culture, then you're going to fail. Right. Um, so understand who you are. I mean, even our mission is a people-centric mission because that's what we believe. If your company is a client-centric company, then just say it yeah. and say our clients are the most important. And yeah. but, but don't be confusing to your people. Be clear, be who you are. And if you do that, then, then it takes a lot less effort. But if you're being someone you're not, it's gonna wear you out. Or if you're trying to be like the other tech company or the other startup or the other culture, you're going to wear yourself out and you're going to be pretty bad at it. Yep. So, I mean, I, I just think like the overarching part is clarity, authenticity, trust, relationships. Um, and, and in the environment we're in, you got to make more effort, do it more times. You got to show your people more love because we live in a world that's a little bit different right now. And it, as leaders, it's our obligation. To, to step up and be attentive to our people, but you, you gotta be who you are uh, or else you know, you're, you're, you're gonna get, get found out pretty quick. That's, That's great. great. Yeah. Thank you so much, cool. Carl. Yeah, thanks awesome. for having me. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yeah, totally. That wraps up another edition of The Great Retention. Thank you for joining us and being a leader who genuinely cares about recognizing and empowering the everyday hero and the team members around you. We are proud to support your leadership journey and grateful for your support of this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. This helps us get this content in front of more aspiring people-first business leaders. If you'd like more perspectives on how to create exceptional cultures around award-winning talent, go to coolleaf.com and sign up for our newsletter to get them straight into your inbox two times per month. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. Now go be people first leaders by celebrating and connecting your people today. HR professionals, thanks for listening. As promised, this episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. To claim your SHRM credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM. To claim your HRCI credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI. Complete the three-question form to receive your certification code. That's coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM and coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI.